Blog yeah, let's Talk do it. Radio. Yeah. Saints are waiting to happen. So 
Yeah, I don't I know. Larry Brown gets the award name for himself. I, you know, I don't, I don't know if you can put him in this category because he's done it at SMU. He's done it at Kansas. He's done it. I, I'm missing a couple. Um, Kansas, SMU. Um, who am I missing? He's got another two schools where he's gone, and they've gotten sanctions when he was there. So, no, no, no. Yeah, UCLA? Been, uh, UCLA is one, and somewhere else as well, UCLA. What? Yeah. Okay. Everywhere, I thought so. I, I, I think remember. everywhere he's gone. Yeah, I think everywhere that he's gone, that he's, he's been sanctioned to, to, to some level. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, the thing about those numbers, Kansas, is those are always two of the teams that really, for the most self. part, disappoint us. Yeah, exactly. You know, they disappointed us. Some, so somebody had to win. You know, I was surprised that Kansas didn't pull it out. But we talked about Kansas not being at that level. They were deep, but they didn't really have stars, really. I mean, Perry Ellis underachieved yeah. until it was Selden. You know, so I'll give uh, Villanova a uh, uh, credit for, for advancing. But I, I, we talked about before, I thought that was going to be a tough bracket anyway for Kansas to come out of, considering they were supposed to be the overall number one seed. Um, not super surprised that Oregon lost to Oklahoma because, again, we talked about Call when that. you have a star. Yeah, Buddy Hill. Uh, yeah, I had Oregon as well. I had him losing to Kansas in the Final Four. But when you have a, trans- a transcendent player like Buddy Hill, and it reminds me a lot of that way he Kimber Walker, I think you talked about it, the way Kimber Walker put UConn on his back. Um, I, I don't know if they can keep it going. I, I mean, because Villanova's been a giant killer right now. but it's going to be really, really tough. Yeah, Nova gonna, plays I, I really good, good really tight defense. Nova plays yeah. really, really tight defense. And, they, and you're going to have a great, you know, good guard matchup in that game as well. Um, I think North Carolina is starting to play defense again, and they're playing like we thought North Carolina could play. Uh, Marcus Page has been streaky, but Bryce Johnson has, is just a double-double machine. Um, and That's like to talk about there, really. Too. I have so Go many ahead. problems picking them, though. They've got no – their talent level is really not all that high. They're living off team ball and veteran leadership, which is nice to see. But as far as North Carolina teams, even if they win, this is – I don't even know if I'd put this as a top 20 talent-wise North Carolina team. No, but it, and the people talked about it is because uh, they had a hard time recruiting even from being North Carolina because they had all those sanctions because of the African American Studies class uh, and NCAA really <laughs> hasn't given them their full. Yeah, you know, I'm talking about you know the academic uh, fraud that's going on there, and they said people have really been using that against them. Uh, case in point, Brandon Ingram chose Duke over North Carolina because he didn't want to go to North Carolina, not thinking they wouldn't be able to make the, the postseason. And I'm like, okay, that's all well and good, but you pretty much knew you were going to be a one and done. So. Of course they're going to be allowed. Right yeah, now. exactly. That's kind so, of the point I mean, that, that annoys me. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to give them a slap on the wrist, two-year sanction, and then they'll be fine. Meanwhile, you're going to have other schools like SMU that was, what, blackballed for like 15 years? Something dumb? Yeah, yeah, it was rapid. It was rapid in North Carolina. Uh, but North Carolina's a blue For like SMU 20 years. Yeah, no, I agree. No, I, I I saw that, and it's but just North Carolina, and, and you know, like I know, you just called it. Um, they're not gonna. They didn't have to vacate any titles there. or anything. Like, how how did they not have to vacate anything? Because they're North Carolina. You're not listening. <laughs> they're not gonna make North Carolina give up those titles. NCAA. I don't believe it. Right. Um. And I and I wonder if the NCAA saw that come out and say, "Oh my goodness, how do we have North Carolina playing Syracuse?" All we're going to talk about is people being suspended and, and probation and all that other good stuff. It's going to totally overshadow the basketball. So while those are two blue gloves, I don't think they really wanted them to go head to head right now because it's going to get overshadowed by the fact that they, 
have been sanctioned and are going to continue to be sanctioned uh, due to the academic or non-academic standards, if you will, uh, that have been taking place. Uh, so, so who you got, uh, just to wrap this, wrap this baby up, who you got uh, cutting down the nets on Monday? I'm going to say Nova and Whoa. I'm going to say Syracuse. Okay. I just I don't think that this North Carolina team is all that talented. I don't think the talent level between any of these teams is really much different. I think Oklahoma is probably the least talented team over on the Final Four. They just have the most talented player, uh, which mm-hmm. in basketball you can get away with. But I think yeah. that Villanova defense is going to be too stifling. I think they'll clamp down on Buddy Heald and make somebody else beat them. And Oklahoma doesn't really have anybody else who can really kind of jump up and you know, take the score and load if it's not healed. But So I, I think Nova wins fairly easily. The Syracuse game, that's just the feeling I got. They're playing good team ball. Uh, talent level's about the same. North Carolina might be a little bit deeper, but Syracuse looks a little bit more polished, especially when they're running that triangle the right way. Yeah, and I'm going to go, well, we'll have to see who's right. So I'm going to go the opposite way. I I, I do think that Villanova <laughs> with that, you know, that three-guard back – Backcourt is, is, you know, very, very good. Like you said, they play good defense. But uh, just the way that Oklahoma and Buddy Hill has been playing, you know it's coming. It's hard to stop. And they, they do a good, good job sharing the ball when teams overcommit to Buddy um, because that's been the takeaway all year. If you can stop Buddy, you can stop Oklahoma. But, I mean, they're still here at the two seed, and they're still here in the Final Four. So that says something about the other guys on the team as well. And if you're going to give me two teams that I'm like, uh, I'm going to go with the team with the best player, like you said, and Buddy. So I'm going to go with Oklahoma. And then North Carolina, I'm just going to go with the veterans. Um, I think Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson, you know, they've waited four years for this. And I, 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 Syracuse really got on a roll and got lucky late in that game against Virginia. Because you got to remember, they were down 16 in Virginia and went on like a yeah, they were. 29, that 10 run or something just outlandish. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they can keep that magic going. It wouldn't shock me because for everything you said about North Carolina. But I just think those two guys have waited so long to get to this point. That I think they win it all. I think uh, North Carolina beats Oklahoma on Monday. That's just me. Could be wrong. Well, just, good news is one of us has to be right. And by the way, I'm going to pick Nova to be my championship winner. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that, I, I'll roll on the Nova train. They're going to go crazy in Philadelphia. Um, so I know I'm excited. I know you're excited. I don't know how about other of our people listening are excited. But we have opening day coming up on Monday. You know, I was rocking my Cincinnati Reds cap, uh, the new era, you know, put your cap on or something like that. I don't need a reason. I don't even need to really need to know what the slogan is. I just know it's opening day, and I'm ready for it. Um, you don't so even need the team to be good. Uh, yeah, oh, no, no, no. Opening day, it's always a Cincinnati. I, I'm, I'm proud. I, you know, I, I don't know how much I'm going to get done on Monday. I'm just going to be honest. Um, so <laughs> now we get here <laughs> close to final cut down. Uh, give me a take on your Braves. And we talked about a little bit earlier that, you know, I'm going to have to get season tickets for, for the G-Braves because that rotation is going to be ridiculous. G-Braves and Mississippi. Uh, as far as the wow. big league club, they they did release like Swisher. Shocker, because nobody wanted to trade a $17, $16 million salary Nick Swisher, uh, who also hit like 196 <laughs> in spring training. So uh, somebody, somebody will pick him up as better in depth. But the uh, king of the castle, bro, is been deposed. Um, so Jeff Francoeur <laughs> makes the club. It's a good right. feel-good story. Uh, he's really good in his role. Last year for the Phillies, he was a part-time player and a pinch hitter most of the time, and he hit over 300. Uh, he's still a very flawed player, especially with his swing. But if you're just bringing him to face lefties, then he's really kind of Freddie Gonzalez's dream bench player because he can play any of the outfield spots. 
and you know how Freddie likes to quote unquote manage and play the lefty righty matchup regardless of how many players are on his roster. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. the yeah. pitching, which they thought was going to be a good little battle, uh, in which they've been preaching was all fixed, is uh, not looking any better than last year. In fact, looking a little bit worse. Fulton Nevitz mm. yesterday, uh, first three pitches, three home runs. <clears throat> but uh, <clears throat> Seriously? So he, yes. So he gets sent down. <laughs> uh, wow. So he, he's in AAA. They're going to bring – but the, the good news for that is they don't have to have a fifth starter until the 12th. So they won't bring up another pitcher until then. Uh, they've got to figure out what they're going to do with Emilio Bonifacio. I imagine he's getting cut. They put Reed Brainiac down in AAA. And, yes, Reed Brainiac still has a job. Uh the bullpen, <laughs> they sent down Alex Torres, which was very surprising to me. Not that Alex Torres is fantastic. He still walks a lot of people, but he's left-handed. And right now they've only got two. They've got Eric O'Flaherty, who they picked up after they traded uh, from Pittsburgh, so they brought O'Flaherty back. And okay. they've got Jim Johnson, who has been cut by two out of the three teams he's played for in the last year. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, uh, and for some uh, reason, for some unexplainable reason they're going to use Grilly as their closer and split time with Aroidas Viscaino. I, I don't understand it. Sure, let me throw the 38-year-old who's coming back from a torn Achilles who had a 439 right. ERA who, whose real talent was overrated last year who, just because he converted all of his saves, he still didn't pitch particularly well. Still gave up a lot of runners and gave up runs to the young guy who last year didn't blow a single save, who was a revelation as a closer and can throw at 98 mile an hour. Sure, let me go with the old guy there. That makes sense. Well, you know, part of it may be a transition to keep the wear and tear off of them as they move forward. It's my only guess instead of just going all the way into it. But, yeah, I don't know. But that, that could be the only logical explanation that I would have is that you're trying to keep the wear and tear off of them and then keep them fresh in 2017 like we talked about earlier when you break up, bring in a new ballpark, but I I I don't really have uh, a real other explanation except for that one for why you would do that. Um, so basically, despite all of those young guys that you saw and they were mm-hmm. touting come in coming into camp, none of mm-hmm. them are on the big league roster. None. Right. They are all yeah, I, in the minors. You'll probably see Aaron Blair come up before September. Their starting rotation is just so bad that they're going to have to follow some more people. And I, I do expect them to trade some of these young arms during the year. So you'll probably see Aaron Blair. You you may see Tyrell Jenkins in September. Uh, maybe there's an off chance you could see Lucas Sims. Probably not, I imagine. They'll let him get a full starting load down there. And John Gant, who was kind of the throwaway. Uh, nobody's really talking about him too much. He's got a chance to crack the rotation at some point this year as well. But the way it's shaking out, it looks like Julio Tehran, uh, Bud Norris is your number two, hold your joy. Uh, oh, man. Whistler for three. Uh, number four is probably going to be Yuli Shasin. And five is going to be anywhere in the in the realm of either Williams Perez, who I expect to be a long reliever, Manny Banuelos, who I expect to get traded, and Mike Fulton-Nevitz or Aaron Blair. 
Wow, when you you I I I almost threw up a little bit in my mouth and stopped listening when you said Bud Norris was the number two. I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's gonna be a lot of problems. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I have the similar thing for the Reds. Uh, I'm not even gonna go through the list of names of the bullpen guys because you could just say trash, trashier, <laughs> trashiest, the most trashy. You know, you just, that's just their names. They're gonna be awful. Okay, they're just gonna be awful. I watched Hoover try to fill in last year. For Chapman, and you know, I basically no no BS. I just turned the TV off for like 30 minutes and, and went back to see if they won or lost because I just couldn't take watching him close games. That's where I was with it. And he's the guy that your talent is going to be. Oh, he's going to do it. And that van box that we call Cincinnati, and he leaves pitches up at 95. Yeah, no, no thanks. Um, yeah, they get out and in they hurry. don't. Yeah, I mean, he rolled quick, fast. Uh, and the rotation. Uh, I know I like Iglesias, and he's going to start uh, opening day. Uh, he wouldn't have started if Descalfini wasn't hurt, uh, but he may end up going on the DL with a bleak. Uh, you got Homer Bailey still trying to come back. Um, mascot is hurt. Uh, Stevenson, who is one of the young <laughs> rookies who they thought was going to be good, just got shelled in the spring, and he's down. Luckily, they reached out to Alfredo Simon. But, again, if you're getting happy about Bud Norris and Alfredo Simon, then you probably got problems. Uh, then Brandon Finnegan is not that great. He's going to start the third game. They, if, if, if this company doesn't come back to, be, to, to start the fourth day, they don't know who they have. On the, road, on the death chart, you look at it, they don't even have a fifth pitcher listed because they don't know. And they may not even have a fourth pitcher. Uh, they may try to bring Iglesias back, you know, not on short rest because they're going to get a day off in between. But, yeah, that's not looking good. They're going to have to win a lot of 10-8 games. Um, Brewers fans side, are happy that they're not the only bad team. Exactly. Yeah, and they're going to lose probably half Ron Stark because I don't care what they say. His, you got a bad back. You just don't come back for that opening day. I think he's going to start in the DL too. Uh, but the Reds, Adam Duvall has been fantastic this spring and left. And I know that they're talking about putting Sherbrooke out there because he was part of the Frazier deal. But Duvall looked good last year in, in, in the last month of the season. He looked good this spring. We talked about Bruce's look much better this spring, and I know that's only going to be temporary because they're going to get traded. If he bats 270, with a couple home runs in April, you can mwah, kiss him goodbye. Um, but, you know, if you can get anything from Votto and Cozart and um, – shoot, sorry, catcher. I just lost the name because I – Mesoraco. It just got me riled up. Mesoraco got me riled up. But they're so inconsistent. They're either going to lose a lot of eight to one games or they're going to have to win some ten to seven games. I don't think there's really a middle ground for the Reds. They're not going to win any four and, uh, three games. I just don't see One happen. thing I haven't asked you about, how do you trade Todd Brazier to the White Sox and not get Trey Turner back? I mean, I, I, we've all, especially all with Brandon Phillips being 38. How do, how do you yeah, not get all, Trey Turner that deal? Dude, because they don't want to pay anybody. Every trade they made, they have not gotten the best prospect back or even the second best prospect from the other team. They they haven't. If you look at Keith Law on ESPN, he's just killing the Reds, and he should. Like, uh, they yeah, must he, do something that everybody else doesn't because the Reds, once again, didn't get the top two or three prospects when they could have given – Frazier's, you know, signed to a, a – You just a, gave a up a 35 home run third base? <laughs> for right. Nothing. For, for, you know, I told you, a, a couple of Twizzlers and a, a Yoo-Hoo and maybe a, a Dairy Queen Blast. Picky it's like, come on, man. Yeah, okay. Okay, I, I'm, I, my, my my heart rate's going on. So, <laughs> let's, let's just be happy to, you know, we got baseball back and we'll get to watch it. But, you know, as you hear us talking about it, we aren't really sold on the uh, I-75 teams here. It's just not in Atlanta. They got Sorry, a long we can way we can go. go to when Cincy comes to Atlanta, and we can both be miserable together. And I'll go with you because I, 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 you know, it's more of a call for you. I literally live like 
15 minutes uh, from Buford for where the G-Braves play, and I try to go chip tickets are cheap, and I'm a baseball junkie, and I kind of prefer the G-Braves in the big league. Club. Yeah, so <laughs> whenever you decide to come over, just let me know a couple of days in advance, and I'll make sure that you know I meet you over there. Um, so moving on to some a little bit other OB news, because we try to you know placate everybody that's listening, you know, across the country here. Um, and I saw this, uh, and we talked about this the other day, Dylan. I was like, well, the one team that could withstand an injury to their rotation would be the best. And then a couple of days later, we found out that Matt Harvey had blood clots in his bladder, which I didn't even know you could do. And he said he had to pee more, which was hilarious to me. I know it shouldn't be funny, <laughs> but I was like, I didn't know that that would relieve the blood clots. Like, I really didn't know. Uh, but they, they said from he a bladder uh, should fact. be back. Yeah, yeah. Well, probably in New York, with some nasty. Steven Mass. Steven Mass is dealing with a little, little tightness too. So if, if there's yeah, ever a team that could deal with losing two ace type pitchers, it's the Mets who have three other aces that they can call on. Right, and then you also, I mean, they, if you get anything from Wheeler and Cologne, I mean, he just keeps giving you six innings every year. You know, of, of two or three run ball and keep you in the game. But I'm, I'm glad for him. He's yeah, going down yeah, to a big spell, 260. <laughs> well, that dude is athletic, so, which is crazy because he doesn't look like he should be athletic at all, but he kind of has a little bit to him. Um, but I'm happy for oh, him. Oh, you've got to race him to the like table. You'll that. lose every time. <laughs> but you see him on the bases and hit? He's like, yeah, he's not, yeah. You know, he's not <laughs> terrible, though. It's like you don't expect that. Like Levon Hernandez. Exactly. He's like, that's a big deal. But wait a minute. He's kind of he's kind of rolling a little Prince bit. Prince Fielder. So Yep, that's another one. Uh, so I'm happy for Matt Harvey. Um, you know, I'm not like I said. I rooted for the Mets because they got me into the All Star game last year. Uh, I have enough time to go back and forth with the Mets. new listeners. Keep them. But uh, dude, if they get you, if they get you into the All Star game for free in your hometown, you will root for them for at least that year. I don't care what you say. You're a baseball junkie like me. Yes, that's a I lie. Still listen to that, America. That's a lie. No, just um, because of the Mets fans, most obnoxious fans in the game outside of Red Sox fans. <laughs> Because Mets fans well, you know, know that they're horrible. Mets fans know they're horrible, and they have this thing where they pride themselves on being the most obnoxious fan base. Like, that's a real thing. I'm not making that up. Like, they literally do that. Whenever there's a Mets yeah. fan from Atlanta going to a Mets fan, or going to a Mets-Braves game, their whole thing mm-hmm. is to be as obnoxious as possible. Like, that's their actual calling card, because their team is garbage. Although now it's yeah, not garbage, yeah. so... Right, but that's a Northeast thing too. You do, you already you already know that's a Northeast thing. Uh, you talk yeah, about I don't like any of talk about New York. You talk about Philadelphia. Philly? That, that's just an attitude. Throwing batteries yeah, on the field at, at Santa Claus. Throwing batteries that's at Ron deep. Gant. Like that is not the guy you want to throw a battery at. You seen that dude's bodybuilding pictures? That's one dude yeah. I'm not going to challenge. Him up into the stands. But Santa Claus, bro. Santa Claus is all I'm gonna say. <laughs> that, like when you were doing that to Santa Claus, you have issues. Um, so yeah. I just want to get through this here real, real fast. Uh, did you see what the boy Clayton Kershaw said? The, the messes with his mind when they put the defensive shift on behind him because he feels like he can't always pitch his game because if he gives up like a, a soft, you know, butt type single to the, uh, you know, to the third base side into the shift, the opposite side of the shift, that it, it messes with him mentally. Did you hear him say that? Or I read, him, read what he said today. I saw about it. That. I saw it, and um, it's a valid point because when you're when you're that type of picture when you're that type of pitcher and you are one of the top pitchers in the game, when somebody's shifting, they're saying they're not really believing in your stuff because, you know, they'll shift on a lefty hitter or, uh, or a righty for Kershaw's case. Um, what you're doing is you're telling that pitcher that we're trying to help you out here because we don't think you can throw your normal game. And to somebody like Clayton, who's 
whose mental aspects of his game is so on point. He's so locked in. He he needs he kind of needs to be like the Greg Maddox thing where they never shifted when Maddox was there. He would shift the players around. Uh, I think that right. the mental aspects for pitching is a very very big deal. So anything that's throwing Clayton off, if he tells you, hey, this bugs me, okay, guys, don't do that anymore. Yeah, well, you saw the manager come behind and say, yeah, if he's not if he's not going to be mentally there, then we probably won't do it when he pitches. He he quickly yeah. backpedaled off of that piece off of when uh, Clayton is pitching. But the thing about it he's is, I don't know if Yeah, exactly. But I don't really think it's more about him. It's more of the analytics and the stats of the game. If you got somebody pitching, you know, I'm going to go back to again, like Jay Bruce that hits 95% of his pitches uh, go to this particular place then you almost are doing yourself a disservice not to put more people there to get him out as opposed to playing him regular when you know, you know he's not even trying to go the opposite way. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll have that podcast hopefully up on another site for you guys to listen to where we went really in-depth into that. So I just want to throw that nugget out there. So I understand what Kershaw is saying. So that on iTunes. Yeah, it's right. But the stats say that a guy hits it to this part of the field this percentage of the time. I mean, I feel like you almost have to shift to that and make him adjust to it. It's not about Clayton not being able to get him and deuce a ground ball to that side. It's the fact that whatever you throw, he's probably taking it to that side. So let's put the strength of our defense there. So, you know, I'm like, uh, I, real give or take I, I don't thing. know. It's real give and take. Yeah. It's certain pitchers. There's only a few pitchers in the game where you don't, where you don't need to do that for, but pitchers like Clayton, like Granky, like Felix, like Sonny Gray, uh, Matt Harvey, Jacob DeGrom, these are guys whose overwhelming talent should trump that. And what what the biggest thing I think in Clayton's mind gets to is, oh, they're all over here, so I have to pitch a certain way to this batter to make him hit it over here. And it can it can kind of creep in there as just a touch of doubt. I got you. Which I got you. any sort of doubt for anybody at that level, huge, huge thing. True. Yeah, I, I, I get you. Yeah, I mean, I, I see both sides of it. I really do. But, again, it's got to be to the pitcher and to the manager. If he's telling you that makes him uncomfortable, you're not going to make your still a pitcher uncomfortable by doing something that you feel is right. Like, you know, you're going to at least give him a couple starts, right, to see where it goes. And if it's, if it's not exactly. working out that way, then you can bet in with the stats that, hey, this isn't working. You probably got this many outs probably if you had gone with the shift. But you're going to lead to the side of going with Clayton's gut and his overall talent. So you're probably right. It's going to have to happen before they, before they start the shift. Um, Hunso Kim. So I think they signed him to a two-year, $7 million deal, if I'm not mistaken, from yep. Japan, and he won't even start the season with the Orioles. Uh, was it Japan or was it Korea? Uh, uh, maybe in Korea. I think it's Korea. I You're think right. Kim was the Korean pitcher. Yeah. Any, um, uh, that's tough to bring him over and give him that. I mean, it's not crazy money in terms of baseball, but that you know, $7 million contract and you don't even start the season with the big league club. That's that's not a good omen for the Orioles, and they really haven't had a good spring so far. No, and they've got a horrible rotation right now, too. That's their one glaring weakness, and they're trying to – Buck Showalter wants to get back into the playoffs. Um, you finally got a taste of the good life. You don't want to go back to being the cellar dweller. So I, I right. think you'll see Kim up there fairly quick. I think it's more just going to be adjusting to the speed of the American game. Because uh, over in Korea, there's a few decent players, but – not for very long. As soon as they're good enough to come over, they come over. So he he's going to have to learn a little bit, just kind of get used to the, the new hitters and the differences in the strike zones and the overall speed of the game. I don't think it'll take him long. He, he's he got a decent repertoire. He's got some good movement on his pitches, and he's 
his mechanics are a little bit different, so that'll give him a little bit of a leg up, at least until until uh, batters figure him out. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I just think it's a bad omen for the Orioles. I, I was down them anyway, because um, every time I was reading the rumors, they were trying to get in on somebody and they never could get it. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I, yeah, and that, and that's another place where the ball. No one wants to live in Baltimore so. right now. Yeah, no, no, no. It's gonna it's gonna be rough. Um, I. I don't really, I don't have good things to say about the Orioles. Season. I don't think they're going to go too far. I think Show Walters is going to be in trouble. Uh, in terms of, I don't think so. I think Show Walters fine. I think his team. No, I don't mean trouble. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, that's what I mean. Show Walters in trouble in terms of what you're talking about. His expectation of, hey, we made it to the playoffs. Let's keep going back there. I don't. I think that dream is in trouble. Is what I should say. His dream is in trouble. Not yeah, they're going to have a lot of seven victories. They're going to have to rely yeah, on that long ball a lot. Yeah. Exactly. It's gonna yeah, they're gonna have to win a lot of tennis other games, especially uh, in that AL East, because I think a lot of the teams got better also in that division outside of the Rays. I don't I don't know if the Rays is probably the competition for the bottom. Um, so we're excited about everybody. We'll bring you some more MLB as it rolls along, especially next week after the opening day. Uh, we'll give us our thoughts on our teams and what we've seen for the first uh, games or two. Uh, let's roll to the NFL real fast because we have a fantastic short few segments that I want to give all the time in the world that I can to. Um, so Jalen Ramsey, and we've discussed this, uh, tell the Titans he should be number one. I think that's a pipe dream and he must be spoken that good, good green. Um, you got anything to, I mean, we've talked about this. I don't think anybody that isn't named Deion Sanders should be a number one quarterback taking the draft. That's just me. Well, we talked about this the other day and we were actually texting back and yep. forth and, um, I am not sold on Ramsey at all. If you look at him, he's, He's just Byron Jones from FSU, and Byron Jones went in the third round. They're talking about how crazy athletic and everything he is, but you know what? Byron Jones tested better than he did. Uh, As a safety, Jalen Ramsey is outstanding, but as a corner, all he can do is press man, and that's fine if you're just going to a press man system, but he's not good in off coverage, he's not great in zone coverage, and he doesn't intercept the ball. Um, He's an outstanding athletic safety, but if you're going to play him as a corner, then you're going to be unpleasantly surprised. I mean, as far as the cover corners go in this draft, he's number four, maybe number five. Yeah, I think they're more enamored with his athleticism and his ability to, sh- to switch between the two. I would be shocked if they stuck him totally at, at corner, also because I believe they let Michael Griffith go uh, from the safety slide there in Tennessee. So if Tennessee took him. Uh, but I don't. If think you're drafting him number one, if you're drafting him number one, you're saying he's going to be a shutdown corner because you don't take a safety in the first half of the first round. Ed Reed didn't go till pick 23. Agreed, but if you're talking to somebody that you can switch depending on whether you're in nickel, whether you're in dime, whether you're in base, and you switch them around all around play to play as opposed to putting them in one spot, then they may. But I don't think so, and you don't, I'm not trying to convince you of that. Don't get me wrong. I think it should be Tunsil to pair with Luan to protect Mariota to provide holds for DeMarco Murray. I just think that's what Tennessee should do. That way you could move, uh, they do that. They could move Jeremiah Patasi into guard where he needs to be, and their line will go from being okay to being one of the better lines in the league. Exactly. So, so unless they get blown away by an offer, I, I just don't see it happening. But, you know, you got to show yourself, I guess. But, yeah, good luck with that, Ramsey. Nobody's taking number one, bro. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> My Bengals today, uh, I think, uh, have signed Dansby, and I got an alert right before the call started that they also signed LaFell. And while I'm happy about Dansby, because they can move A.J. Hawk out of there. And they can, 
And no, I'm not, I'm not at all happy about LaFell. Unless we're getting LaFell from two years ago, that was real quietly a good contributor to that New England Super Bowl team. If we're getting LaFell last year, that was one of the, had one of the highest drop rates of all wide receivers, and he missed seven games. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think the only thing I think this does, and you would think it would lock them more into a wide receiver, I think it just continues to give the Bengals options because they don't have to take a linebacker now. They don't necessarily have to take a wide receiver number one. I still think they need two wide receivers, but they don't need one number one because you're really talking about somebody to come in and be the third option behind Eifert and A.J. Green. So it gives them more I love options. The dance, I, guess, I, I love it. I love it a lot. You know, but unless somebody falls, like at 24, I think that's a good spot maybe to pick up Ragland. I know there are concerns about whether he's a three-down back, but at 24, I would take him. If somehow some way Leonard Floyd fell, I think Marvin Lewis would run to Chicago and that's hand in the pick in the five minutes. I, I know, but we can dream, okay? But I'm just saying, it, <laughs> it, gives, it, it gives them – I think it gives them flexibility still so they aren't trying to draft on need as opposed to taking best available depending on the board they have set up. Yeah, I do love the Dansby signing a lot. Carlos Dansby, even though he's getting up there in age, he's still a 100-plus mm-hmm. tackle player. Great wrap-up, mm-hmm. very fast still, an outstanding cover linebacker. He was probably one of the yep. only bright spots for Cleveland. Um, and he's yep. part of that max this of players beating Cleveland. Um, <laughs> right. He's going to slide in. He's going to slide into Burfick's spot while he's suspended. Uh, and then there's talk of he'll either play – he could play strong side if they don't want to start Vincent Ray, or he could play middle if they don't want to start – if they want to move Maluga out to the Sam linebacker spot. There's a lot of things they can right. do with Dansby, and it's just another upgrade for an already – for a defense that has a little bit more holes than they had last year, but for the most part is a stellar defense. Uh, and you guys are in a good spot in the draft because even if you don't go linebacker first, you guys are far enough back where you can take a shot on some of those – cornerbacks are going to fall like your Kendall Fuller's or your McKenzie Alexander's and that's something they're going to need to do because I have no faith yep. in Drake Kirkpatrick and I have very very little faith in Darko's Denard uh, Denard had more flashes uh, Kirkpatrick he's just so susceptible to that double move that it's like bro you, you got to watch some tape and do something because you're killing me um, he just, they show flashes but again they're not consistent that's why I think it was imperative that they resign Tag Man which is a really good sign up for them they're going to have to pick up a cornerback agreed uh, in this in this draft, um, so I'm sorry I don't hear folks. Uh, it's actually the Lions that signed the ex Giants Schwartz uh, to a contract today. Um, I think that's good for the Lions. They, they you know they they get Matthew Stafford hit a lot more than he should be hit, and they don't. I don't think you need as big a hole for Abdullah because he's smaller and he's shiftier. But they 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 gotta you know without having Megatron there, they're gonna have to you know put their bread and butter somewhere. And I think it's gonna have to be more of a Run play action based passing game because while they did get Marvin Jones, and I love Marvin Jones, I'm not so that he's the number one, and I definitely don't think Golden Tate is the number one. Um, so I think they're gonna have to do a little bit of deception and more play action pass, and that starts with a strong run game. And I think that starts with getting your offensive line better, and that's a good step in the right direction if they get the Schwartz from a couple years ago, not the one that's been hurt for the past year and a half. I imagine Schwartz is gonna kick out and play guard. Uh, mm-hmm. He'll he'll probably compete with Riley Rice. Um, neither of them at this point are great left tackle prospects. Um, he could come in and compete with La, with La Adrian Waddle on the right tackle side, and one of those two could kick in the guard. Um, it, it does give them a little bit more depth on their line, and that's a team that they've got to do something quick because Stafford's up after this season. They just lost Megatron. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Their receiving core and their tight – Ebron has not turned out the way they wanted. 
Uh, their defense yep. is getting older quicker, and they they've kind of missed their window. So they they got to pull out and, some stops quick and be as undetroit as they can be. Exactly, and they've allowed Minnesota to kind of take their spot in that hierarchy behind Green Bay at the moment, right? Because you see Minnesota ascending, and you see Detroit descending. So I'm especially losing Megatron and everything you just said uh, about Stafford getting ready to be up. So that's that's an excellent point. You know, they were holding down that two spot for a good minute uh, with Green Bay, and now they're in real danger. I think they actually, if you want to be honest, they are in the three spot uh, behind behind those two, and I not too far ahead of Chicago the for the four. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give Dylan here, you know, to minutes to do to uh, talk about the Diaz-McGurk rematch and, and give us his fantastic short fuse. But I had to throw this in here at the last minute when it came up today. Uh, if you listen to the beginning of the program, D'Angelo Russell was talking to Swaggy P, and I hate even saying the name Swaggy P. It's such, so ridiculous. Nick Young uh, in the locker room. And he secretly taped him. And Nick Young, who was engaged to Iggy Azalea, talks about, you know, the chicks he's met at the club and slept with and acted to the fool with. And D'Angelo Russell promptly puts the tape on Snapchat, saying, I was just a little prank. I didn't think anybody was going to find out about this. Like, dude, you must be dumber than a bag of rocks. How did you put that on Snapchat? And didn't think anybody was going to find out. And word is that when he went to sit with the team today, that when they ate, they all moved away from him. Um, he went to sit with somebody in the locker room. Yeah, Lou Williams moved away from him. Uh, it's, it's bad. They just said they basically had just isolated him, and they aren't even speaking to him. He was the last person to shoot around today. Um, it, I, oh, it's stitches, stitches, stitches get stitches is what they say. I don't know what he was thinking about. And for all of us OSU people who love Ohio State, He's making it real hard to be from Ohio and be the Ohio State fan today because all of our loyalty and our words big question is that yep. you know, she wants to throw onto this onto this uh this dumpster fire that is D'Angelo Russell's trust. It's unbelievable. I on the one hand, if you're Nick Young, how on earth are you gonna be cheating on Iggy Azalea? Have you seen that dude? I mean, you're not going to do better than Iggy. One. Two, she makes way more bread than you do. Um, on the other hand, this is a 10-year-old move from a 20-year-old player. And right. I honestly, I don't know what he's thinking. And in a culture like the basketball culture, which is a lot more urban, a lot more kind of down-to-earth, just kind of not as – it's going to sound bad, but not as professional as – say, baseball or football, I mean, it's going to be really, really hard to get the trust back of his teammates, and I don't know if he ever can really get that full trust back. I mean, the, the Lakers this year are a dumpster fire. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. Like, they may have to trade him. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do. He's going to have to buy the donuts uh, next year, even though he won't be a rookie and carry the bag. Like, he's, he's going to have to really go he's, – yeah, he's going to have to go up and beyond, um, you know. Yeah, that's just a horrible look for him. I agree. I don't know – but think about it, if you trade for him, another team's going to be like, we don't want that in here. This dude, you know, they're a brotherhood, you yeah. know. And if you violate that, you know, we all are out here on the road trying to knock down some strains, you know. And you're going to put me on blast and I'm engaged. And you're going to put that out there. You're like, come on, man. What are you what are you thinking about? Um, I, I don't know. Um, we're probably here are about six minutes from where they're about the time they normally cut us off. But I want to make sure I give you time to give us a fantastic rant. So go ahead and quickly talk about the rematch and then go into short fuse. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm going to let Dylan take us on home. Well, real quick on the Diaz-McGregor matchup, because it doesn't deserve a whole lot of time. Uh, it's a blatant <laughs> money grab move by the UFC. It's a blatant trying to 
the loss over the loss of McGregor, and it's actually taking place at 170 again. So now you have the featherweight 145-pound champion fighting a lightweight 155-pound at 170, which is welterweight, for welterweight title implications, which makes zero sense. Uh, it's going to go the exact same way. Diaz with a full camp, he's just going to do the same thing. If McGregor couldn't knock out Diaz before, he's not going to knock him out this time. Once it goes to the ground, Diaz is going to choke him out real quick. As far as my short few segment, this is one I have been – I'm going to apologize in advance because Juan can attest to this. I have been fuming since yesterday. <laughs> uh, there was a radio host here in Atlanta on a very well-known show that most of you probably listen to who uh, – when talking about the Braves' best pitchers, did not include Maddox as a top four. He said that Maddox was not good enough to be a top three pitcher, and he's putting Maddox behind Spawn, which you can make an okay case for. I can understand that. But putting him behind Glavin and Smoltz as well, four, and here's the reason, and this reason kills me every single time, because (laughs) the playoff numbers, quote-unquote, weren't there. Well, you know what, buddy? You've been in Atlanta your entire life. Maybe you should kind of check those numbers, and you'll see that Maddox's playoff numbers, while it's not reflected in the wins and losses, his ERA is better than both of them. Yes, you can say Smoltz is a 15-4 and four record, so you can make a case for Smoltz, but you know what Glavin's record is? It's under 500 as well. So you know what? You can say that Glavin had his defining moment by winning game six, but you know what's a defining moment for Greg Maddox? How about three straight Cy Young victories? Oh, by the way, over Glavin and Smoltz. Talking about the only pitcher in Major League history with 300 wins, 3,000 strikeouts, and less than 1,000 walks. That is the entire history of baseball. It's, it's just a completely stupid argument. We were talking about a guy that both of those other pitchers will tell you was the best guy. There's a reason why Maddox was the ace of your staff and why Maddox was known as the best pitcher of that generation and one of the best pitchers of all time. If you're saying that Maddox, because he didn't do as well in the postseason – wasn't as good as those two, then you're going to sit there. You're basically saying that Madison Bumgarner is better than Clayton Kershaw. And Madison Bumgarner is spectacular. And in the postseason, he's unbeatable. But anybody that thinks Bumgarner is better than Kershaw is an idiot. Kershaw is the best pitcher in the game. Everybody knows it. It's the same thing as saying, oh, I guess that means Chris Chandler's a better quarterback than Matt Ryan because Chris Chandler took us to a Super Bowl, right? I mean, you're in Atlanta, dude. Come on. Yeah, that 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 was insane. I didn't hear it, but yes, Dylan has has texted me all the stats. I was like, I'm with you, bro. I don't know. I can only say that maybe he was doing it for shock value, or maybe he just was misinformed. And you forgot about the 18 gold gloves. 18. 18 straight. 18 straight gold gloves. I was like, in I, a yeah, row, dude. It's, it's it's phenomenal. There was one thing I wanted to throw into this short few segment uh, before we get kicked off. Uh, uh, Shaughnessy from the Boston Globe talking about UConn's women's basketball being bad for the game. Hey, man, listen, nobody said that about UCLA <laughs> talking about basketball. about the teams that are losing. Yeah, when UCLA men's basketball was destroying it with uh, Coach Wooden, you know, tell everybody to get stepped their game up. You know, like, they're making a mockery of the women's game right now. Granted, they're just destroying people. When you beat somebody in the Sweet 16 by, like, 40 points, that's not a good look for the game overall. But you can't tell those chicks to not to ball out. How do you tell other programs, like, what happened to my Tennessee team and Stanford and everybody else that used to compete for those recruits? Tell them to get their weight up and, and, and help out a little bit. But you always have periods of I don't of agree with Gino Ariema. I don't agree with Gino Ariema a lot, but I do agree with him on that. Yeah, you have periods of domination. Like you said, if you're not interested in it, turn it off. 
uh, you know, just don't comment on something you're not watching. So that's just my two cents. You know, it, you have ebbs and flows. They won't be on this run forever, but just appreciate it for what it's worth and tell everybody else to step their game up. That, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Step your game up, son. Step it up. All right, good people. <laughs> Thanks for listening to us. Uh, we'll be back next Wednesday again. We'll talk about the NCAA champions and some baseball and some more football notes as we lead up to the draft. Good talking to you, bro. I'll holler at you later. We've got a couple podcasts that we're going to try to put up. We'll see if we can put them up on iTunes or on another site and give you guys a little bit of a longer listen where we don't get cut off. Yes. So um, make sure you're paying attention. We'll see if we can post it up here on the site and let you know the link. Good week as always, bud. See you next week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Talk to you all later.